What happens with me is that I get my belt loops caught on like door handles. <laughs> so if I'm so all of a sudden walking, I'll be like, ooh, okay, rip the door <laughs> off, it's in. I've literally never had that happen to me. to another episode of is fitz happy i'm luke and i'm emma we're discussing chapter 23 today threats or if you take out the h treats (laughs) (laughs) you really are hungry aren't you i'm so hungry (laughs) (laughs) the beginning part of this chapter Gives us a little overview of what has been happening to Burns throughout this whole winter. We kind of jump back into the story with Fitz, pretty much where we left off. But this covers the next couple months, and it goes over the fact that they slowly lose contact with Burns. Burns is slowly devoured away as a cliff is eaten by the storm tides. At first, Duke Brondi had been sending messages back to Ketchikan, and they'd been having a little bit of a communication. Her opals had rebuilt the town of Ferry, and they were funding their own, you know, fleets and things like that to get to strike back at the raiders. But communication gradually dwindled. Obviously, there had been messages missed in between communications, and their whole fleet that they had assembled of fishing boats and things like that got completely destroyed, and there was no more money. To fund anything else. Right. And the scary part about this is as things are getting worse, it's very unclear whether the reason Buckkeep, specifically Ketrickin and Fitz, are not receiving messages regularly is because the people are being killed on the way from Red Ship Raiders, they're being killed on the way because of Regal spies, or right. if they're just running away. Yeah. And... It's just a very tumultuous time and very clearly a very dangerous one as well. Right, definitely. And there's a couple things in here that Queen Ketrickin confronts Serene about why the Skilled Ones left the tower up in Burns. And Serene's basically said, you know, it's the skill's too valuable to let fall into red ship raider hands, which basically means, oh yeah, that duchy and that city and everything up there is not as valuable as one person. Mm -hmm. We're just going to abandon it and it's fine. Right. And also, what a horrid remark to your queen or future queen. I mean, we all know they don't think of her as that, but still, (laughs) you'd think they would in public be a little bit better. Yeah. We find out eventually that when Burns reported that their fleet was destroyed and there was no more funds to do anything, Mm -hmm. Fitz turns over the emeralds from Verity, and she sends them off without any hesitation, and they don't really hear back if those were even received or if they were used for anything. Right. We also know that from the original gift, the duchy as a whole, sent back a mm-hmm. small chest of pearls yeah. that were a treasured item. 
it says, Odd, what had been too treasured to be sacrificed even to rebuild their own village was freely offered in thanks to a queen who had surrendered her jewels that they might have shelter. I doubt that the significance of their sacrifice would have meant as much to any other. Katrikin wept over the tiny chest. Yeah. So this has strengthened the relation between the future queen and the outer duchy. Yeah, to a point. Right. (laughs) She's still part of the same royal family that refused to help and seemingly deems them unworthy of aid further than what she can provide as a person. Right. But it's definitely a a great message to send to the queen-in-waiting. Right. But not everything is as good. Regal is still refusing to send any help. And it's gotten to the point where basically Burns is gone. It's it's cut off from the rest of the six duchies. Yes. And the Red Ship Raiders are starting to inch closer to the capital around the north and south. Not quite the capital itself, but around the north and south, almost in a daring way, saying, mm-hmm. see, we could get you. And Regal refuses to spend any money on any sort of aid or guard saying that he's saving it for when Verity returns with the elderlings and all the while is partying it up with the inland duchies and giving them bigger more expensive gifts and throwing more lavish parties so a little bit of disconnect there that doesn't seem to be reaching anybody else knowledge wise but we all know. <laughs> well, it's hard to, you know, the parties obviously are a little bit more visible, but for the gifts and things like that, that's hard to, for anybody to know. Right. Later on in this chapter, we see the full ravaging that the stables has gotten, and mm-hmm. Fitz didn't know about all of that either. And it's just been happening over time, the whole yeah. thing. So we jump back in, speaking of the stables, with Birik. He wants to be back in his own rooms, of course. The next day, <laughs> so he goes <laughs> because it's Birik. Uh huh. And Lacey had gotten together his uh, chamber ready, and Birik is grumbling about you know it not feeling the same as the bedroom when he left because it's tidied up and there's a candle burning in there or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the it <laughs> has been aired little. out, so yeah. <laughs> it's not stinky anymore. <laughs> Doesn't smell like his room. Fitz notes that he has a bottle next to him and is in his room and he's kind of set up at a table and he completely understands that because he says that we had passed one empty stall after another not only horses were missing prime hunting dogs were gone i had no heart to go look in the mews i was sure i would find them likewise plundered hands had walked beside us silent but stricken his efforts were plain the stables themselves were immaculate the remaining horses groomed until they shone Even the empty stalls were scrubbed and whitewashed. But an empty cupboard, no matter how clean, is no comfort to a starving man. I understood the stables were Birik's treasure and home. He had come back to find both looted. And he had walked along without Birik after Mm -hmm. he had set him up in the room and saw that it wasn't just, you know, hunting dogs and the horses. It was cattle. It was breeding stock. It was prize bulls. It was sheep. All of that had been sent inland. 
Yep. And Fitz walks up on a group of men boarding a wagon full of grain to Turlake. Yeah. They're sending it inland. Yep. He offers help and gets that gossip of where they're going and, and everything like that. And he's just wondering, why are we sending everything inland? And we know it's because Regal has been planning on moving there. Yep. That's the ultimate, you know, culmination of his plans to become king, move inland, forsake the out, outer duchies, and then just live off because he's rich. And he doesn't have to worry about the raiders because the coast duchies will be worried about the raids. Right. And it almost works. <laughs> almost. I mean, for as much as we give Regal crap for seemingly not being as smart as he could be, this is pretty smart. Yeah, <laughs> we, we give him a bunch of crap, but at the same time, like all of his plans pretty much work out, or at yeah. least he can turn the the failure of some of his plans into a positive and right. create he, new things out of that situation. He's very crafty. He's very yeah. good he, at what he does. He's very gifted at manipulation, which is great for a politician, uh, <laughs> but it would be good if it could be used for the good of the kingdom right. and not for the good of Regal, yeah. which he seems to think are the same thing, but are most definitely not. <laughs> definitely. So Fitz kind of wanders back to Beric's room after he's wandered through the rest to take stock of what has actually been sold off and is gone. And he sees the door jar and bursts into the room thinking that something has gone amiss because he's on edge. Right. And he startles Molly, who is straightening up, giving Beric a tray of food, that sort of thing. She obviously is... Uh, not in a great mood because Beric is on the edge of drunk. Yes, he's drinking <laughs> a lot. Uh, <laughs> and she's also very mad at Fitz at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a little cold in the room and Beric is on his best behavior. Yes, Molly is courteous and offers to get him anything he needs from town because that's where she's going. And... He thanks her, Burek thanks her for the candle, which she says, you're welcome. There, It's very, somebody trying to make somebody like them and the other person just doing their job. <laughs> or or somebody like Burek just trying to be as polite as possible to not offend them. <laughs> because clearly she is offended by something, but he cannot for the life of him figure out what it is. Yes. So he's trying his best to just be, you know, complete court manners, talking around things, being very courteous. I think he thanks her three or four times. He even thanks Lady Patience yeah. for her help, which Fitz says costs him more than Molly knows. <laughs> <laughs> True. She once again asks uh, if he needs anything from the town because he did compliment the candle and she... Fitz remarks that she thaws a little bit at that. And she departs after that. After Birk says, no, I don't need anything. They are left alone, Fitz and Birk, And Fitz kind of recounts everything that he's seen in the stables. That it's a lot more than just the horses. And Birk kind of knew. Yeah. He says that there are rumors when, as they were coming back, that Regal sold the beast 
and grain to fund the defenses of the coast and other rumors that he sent the breeding stock inland to safer pastures and tilth. So there's rumors being spread about the reason he's getting rid of everything, which does explain why people don't see the hypocrisy of him throwing the parties when he's clearly got money that oh it's just him being smart about keeping things safe exactly um which i totally forgot about this propaganda going on i knew that there had to be some but it is shocking to read it and be like oh yeah they genuinely think he's a good guy so regal has been on that campaign yeah (laughs) for the past two years look how smart i am thinking ahead and ugh, hate him (laughs) He drank his brandy down. The best of the horses are gone. I saw that at a glance when I came back in. In ten years I might breed stock up again to the quality of what we had, but I doubt it. He poured again. There's my life's work gone, Fitz. A man likes to think he'll leave his touch on the world somewhere. The horses I had brought together here, the bloodlines I was establishing. Gone now, scattered throughout the six duchies. Oh, not that they won't improve anything they're bred to, but I'll never see what would have come if I'd allowed been allowed to continue. Steady will be studying rangy tilth mares, no doubt. And when Ember drops her next foal, whoever rubs it off will think it's just another horse. For six generations, I've been waiting for just that foal. They'll take the finest coursing horse that's ever been foaled and hook it to a plow. All Fitz can do is change the subject because he kind of knows that's true. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be valued for what they were. They're not together for Birk to continue to breed them into the wonderful horses that they were. When I read this, I was struck at the similarities between Birk's view of the horses and kind of what we see in the later series of the White's view of the world. It's these people who have had their hands in steering the course of time for so long. And granted, Bjork is not evil or (laughs) breeding these horses for his own monetary gain or, you know, to destroy races of people permanently. But This idea of you plan and plan and plan and there's one perfect foal, like a catalyst. And if they're taken away from the white that is supposed to guide them, they will be used as though they're nothing and nobody will ever know the significance of that foal, of that person. And it's kind of true about a lot of things in life, but I don't know, it just felt very much like the philosophy of the whites and you can see how that turned after millennia's going yeah. by it's not it's, just i think it's a lot of things uh when you when you have i think this could happen to anyone i'm saying actually um right. when you have something that you like doing and it is your job and you take pride in doing it well and you're doing it for so long it becomes more of an ownership thing and not a job that you have to do mm-hmm. Like Birik says, it is his life, and now that it is all of a sudden scattered when he was gone for, what, a month? Yeah. He comes back, and now now what? Like, he's just feeling that loss, that emptiness. Right. 
I can see where the similarities with the whites comes into that a little bit, but they can see themselves losing that grasp a little bit slower, and so they're and they've had more time to corrupt, obviously, right, and lose sight of their original goals. So it it's more of a you know a grasping of like we need to correct everything possible rather than coming back to a wrecked home, right? But this, I guess, what I'm trying to say is this feels to me like what the whites started out as. Mm. And maybe something like this happened to set them on the extreme overcorrective course of greed and manipulation to the point where it only affects them positively and whatever they want to happen happens. Uh, I guess I don't we don't know enough about the history of why they turned as horrible as they did. Probably just greed. But (laughs) yeah, I I think Beloved touches on that a few times, maybe Mm -hmm. Prilkop as well, that they're very long lived and so your perspectives shift right. on what is important and to them it was important to maintain that power and that control over what right. they were doing and so they wanted profits and more whites to do what they wanted and needed to raise them themselves pretty much yeah. so they created the horrible programs that they have and I, I I would be really interesting to see the full, you know, point of views of them, of that evolution of that school. Mm-hmm. Another thing of history that I would like to see. Yes, I would love an in-depth history of all things in the realm of the Elderlings. But yeah, so I don't know. I guess just reading that really brought to the front of my mind the whites specifically. And so I thought I'd bring that up just as something that I caught. Um, and something that i thought is interesting i guess birk brings the conversation back to molly so that was the girl (laughs) birk remarks you know seemed a bit cool with you today a bit i said dryly birk grinned you're as testy as she was i imagine patience did not speak well of me to her she doesn't like drunks i told him bluntly her father drank himself to death but before he finished the job, managed to make her life unpleasant for years, beating her when she was smaller, railing and berating her when she got too big to beat. Oh, Vera carefully refilled his cup. I'm sorry to hear that. She was sorry to live it. He looked at me levelly. I did not do it, Fitz. Nor was I rude to her when she was here. I'm not even drunk, not yet. So stuff your disapproval and tell me what's been going on at Buckheap while I was away. Which is fair. I mean, Beric doesn't know about her. No, he doesn't know anything. She's just that girl Fitz has a crush on or whatever, as far as he knows. Fitz is kind of lashing out a little bit at Beric because Molly's mad at him. So he's directing that frustration elsewhere. Typical of many people, but especially Fitz. But it is good of Beric to not take it and say, listen, bud. Sit on down. I'm still your father, so. Fitz reports what has been happening. And when he finishes, Burek chimes in and adds, and Ketrakin is with child, but neither the king nor Regal know of it yet. They go over that a little bit. Burek kind of looks at his wound and demands that Fitz get a splint or materials for a splint for him. And Fitz is kind of like, I mean, I can, but you should stay in bed. 
And Beric's like, who guards Ketrakin's door? If she's pregnant, someone needs to guard her door because mm-hmm. they're not going to hesitate to go after her. Right. Which is also a good point. Why is nobody guarding Ketrakin's door? Doesn't she have a whole guards team or something? Like, yeah, there was Queen's that whole guard. thing. Yeah. A whole thing a couple chapters ago about how Fitz forgot to ask Verity and they formed anyway. And yet none of them are standing guard. It's so weird. I mean, maybe she's saying like, oh, I don't need a guard. But also it's literally your job. So maybe do it anyway. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if. Did Beerit or did uh, Verity have a guard on his door? He did earlier in the series. I know that. But I don't know if it's been mentioned since. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Fitz only ever comes to him when he's in the tower, and I don't think anybody really goes to the tower. I think, actually, I think he does, because he goes to Verity's room at one point, and the guard has to tell him that he's not in his right. tower or in his room. He's with Ketrikin. Mm-hmm, that's That was, like, when Fitz first got back from the Mountain Kingdom, though. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he didn't still have one. I'm sure he did. I mean, his father yeah. had one. For a while, until... Well, yeah. <laughs> Regal and Wallace got rid of him. <laughs> exactly. But... Yeah, so it's really weird she didn't already have one to me. <laughs> so Beric is trying to convince Fitz here. Well, not really convince him, but tell him why this needs to happen. He said, by my count, five of us know. That's no secret, Fitz. Six, I admitted ruefully. The fool surmised it some days ago. Oh, I had the satisfaction of seeing Beric look shocked. Well, at least that's one tongue that won't go wagging. Still, as you see, it won't be secret long. Rumors will fly before the day's out, mark my words. I guard her door this night. Must it be you? Can't you rest? And I will... A man can die of failure, Fitz. Do you know that? Once I told you, the fight isn't over until you've won. This, and he gestured at his leg in disgust, this will not be my excuse for giving up. Shame enough for me that my prince went on without me. I shall not fail him here. Besides, he gave a bark of sour laughter, there's not enough in the stables now to keep both hands and me busy, and the heart for it has gone out of me. Now, will you go get the splint works? So I did, and took them back to him. So, just a couple things. One, Burek has been drinking a ton, uh, all day, so I don't know why he thinks that he's the best person tonight to do this and won't just let Fitz take over for tonight. Because it's Beric. True. Uh, Next thing, how come Fitz gets this stubbornness from Beric, but not the willingness to do stuff like (laughs) Beric? You know, Beric's in a bad mood, but he's doing something useful with that bad mood. And Fitz would be sulky and in a bad mood and say something similar, but would use his leg as an excuse or whatever. And I just, ugh. Like, you could have gotten the good stuff from Burek, you know? No. <laughs> Not Fitz. Not our boy Fitz. Well, Fitz had multiple great teachers about stubbornness. True. That's very true. Literally everyone that he looks up to is very stubborn. <laughs> I suppose. Jade, Burek. Verity to an extent. I don't even know if I would call Verity stubborn. Yeah, he's he's only about certain things. And even then... But Patience is super stubborn. 
about a lot of things. <laughs> Molly. <laughs> Molly is super stubborn. Yeah, that's fair. So when he helps Birk get his leg patched up, gets the splint for him, works some salve into there, and makes sure that the wound won't open up again to keep that leg straight, he heads off to Ketrickin's room to warn her, basically, <laughs> that right. a man is going to be standing outside of her door at night. Right, because that would be a little creepy. Like, you open the door to ask a servant for water, and there's just a man standing there. It is Burek, but, like, middle of the night, you probably aren't expecting that. So. Right. <laughs> He's admitted by Rosemary into her room, and she is staring off into the distance, and he remarks that she Ketrican. looks similar. Ketrican is, yeah. Looks similar to how Verity was when he's skilling in his tower. Just preoccupied and staring off into the distance. I followed her gaze and wondered, like her, where the red ships would strike today, and what was going on up in Burns. Useless to wonder. Officially, there was no word at all from Burns. The rumors were that the coast ran red with blood. And this is just the beginning of those communications. Again, like, they had just been sent off, and we don't really know what's going on at this present time. The beginning of this chapter obviously takes us through the winter, but this is just the beginning stages of when they were sent off, when the opals went up. They might have gotten one communication, maybe two from them since then. And it's it's definitely a scary time because they don't know if they're going to lose that whole duchy. Right. Which they do, but well, they don't know what's going to happen. Right. And also, if they lose that duchy, the implications for summertime are yeah. way worse. Because now they have a foothold, they don't have to go as far away. It'll be way more regular, the attacks. So. And for the following winter. Yep. Because then they have actual land that they can go from. Yeah, it's all bad. Yeah, just, it's all bad. <laughs> Ketrakin waves him in. After Rosemary tells her that uh, Fitz is looking for an audience. And Fitz puts on a little display of like, oh, smile, laugh, look out the window, waving to the the seascape here. <laughs> Beric's going to guard your door because he knows you're pregnant. <laughs> you can't stop him. <laughs> and instead of freaking out or being worried... Ketrikin just lightly, lovingly touches the knife she always cares on, carries on her. And then remarks that it's probably good that they're going to do this outright. Um, She wishes, kind of, that Regal would just, out in the open, try to kill her, but... She doesn't name him. Right. Because almost, I would welcome so direct an attack, and then kind of talks around. Mm -hmm. And then she says that, What harm can come of letting them know we suspect? Nay, what we know. Why should I be circumspect and tactful? She also says that Birk has already received an arrow from this, so why does she have to be that direct? So she's already linking the two instances together of Fitz saying, you know, he fears that Birk fears that when others discover you are with child, your life will be in danger. He links that with the people who attacked Birk and Verity, which is very much the case, and it's not that big of a leap if you're thinking about Regal. Right. But it is something that now Ketrikin has to live with forever. They directly attacked the king-in-waiting. She is with Mm -hmm. child, and 
Beric, someone who's been around the royals for a long time and has proven his worth, is saying they're probably going to attack the queen in waiting. So she's just sitting there like, great, when's (laughs) that coming? Yeah. Well, not only did they attack the king in waiting, this is the second time the king in waiting has been attacked for his life. And the first time, no punishment was doled out. So pretty clearly, it'll just keep happening until they're successful. (laughs) She says that uh, definitely he can take the guard post with her thanks. He'll put a, she'll put a chair outside of there, and Fitz is like, he'll probably not sit in it. <laughs> and she's like, it's going to be there either way. So He walks out, goes back to his room, and sees his door ajar. So he hides and waits to see what happens, and Justin and Serene walk out of it. He immediately confronts them. Because why not, I suppose? He's in a mood. <laughs> And asks if they're still looking for a place for their tryst. Serene and Justin are pretty surprised that he caught them. Justin is really freaked out and is very clearly scared. Doesn't even want to meet Fitz's eyes. Good. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) And he asks, you know, what are you doing in my room? And Serene says, I don't have to answer. And he's like, not even if it's my room that you're in? Like, you gotta answer. (laughs) And Serene keeps brushing it off until Justin kind of hisses out, Beast Man. Yeah, she she accuses him, we know what you are. Come on. And then So they figured it out, although I don't think they're for sure that they've figured it out. And Justin says that Fitz is using the lowliest kind of magic, and obviously this is why Galen found him unfit to teach the skill. And Fitz freaks out. Internally. Internally. Yes. (laughs) He only says, I am loyal to King Shrewd, and then sizes them up, knowing that they are intentionally treasonous people they know that they are supposed to be reporting to the king and yet they don't they don't follow protocols they don't treat the king and king in waiting as they're supposed to they're clearly only loyal to regal and he has a little bit of hesitation thinking well maybe galen fully skilled it into them and they can't help it but either way they know that they are being unloyal to the Farseer family and they continue to do that and then he keeps that piece of information in the back of his mind for later he specifically looks at them with his training because i know we often remark on how he uses the wit primarily to navigate the world around him and doesn't use his eyes as often we've made fun of him for it Mm -hmm. but he specifically does here and, and watches their minute little movements seeing how nervous they are the little glances and definitely makes turns his assumption into a full-blown like i'm pretty sure that they are just reporting to regal here Mm -hmm. because they are nervous with fitz's direct gaze of i support king shrewd and staring at them the whole time they shrink back from him when he steps forward and as he's walking toward them he just turns and goes into his room and closes right. the door. He turns their back, his back to them, which is a big deal because, I mean, everybody knows if something like a wild animal or anyone is 
dangerous. You should never turn your back to them because they could attack you. And I think this is just Fitz's way of saying you're no threat to me. And he does feel a little bit of skill reaching out towards him. And he simply shuts it off and says, keep your thoughts to yourself and shuts the door behind him. And this is when he realizes that his room is now a cage. Yeah, he well, first of all, he he has to calm himself from being a little bit freaked out about that accusation because it is a serious accusation. And if that gets out, he knows that he could get hung for it. Mm -hmm. That is a killing offense. Right. In the six duchies, even though it's technically not really a law, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it is because Regal is like going. Well, it's very unclear if at this time it's a law. Yeah. We know it will be, and it is highly encouraged to be very anti-wit magic, but it's unclear because it's been a long time, so the hatred has kind of died down up until this point, it seems, from the earlier book and last book. To me personally, it feels like something that still had a bad reputation, but wasn't necessarily like, oh, you deserve death because you can talk to a dog. And now it's turning into back into this evil thing. It already has a dirty reputation, and it wouldn't be that hard to pile up and make it worse. So I don't know if they could get away with hanging him just yet, but after Regal takes full control, they definitely could. (laughs) Yeah. So he calms himself. He centers himself. He remembers the room as it was, closing his eyes, and then opens them, seeing if anything was disturbed. Mm -hmm. And he sees a couple things moved and keeps in mind what Chade has taught him, that assume other people are better than you are. So he doesn't touch anything in case they put contact poisons on them. He's looking for things that they've disturbed. They've straightened out the tapestry because it was always crooked and they moved Mm -hmm. the tray from his chest or moved it to the center from where it was on top of his closed chest. So obviously they were looking for something but didn't really take anything. So he surmises that they were specifically looking for secret entrances in his chamber. He kind of praises Chade for his secrecy because Fitz could (laughs) never find the door itself. So he was uh, he's very thankful that he couldn't even find it because he's a little bit more secure in knowing that Chade would be safe. Right. And this proves that things are more dire than Chade let on. Yeah. That they no longer believe that killing Lady Time was enough. There's someone else or she's not really dead. Yeah, exactly. And so he pretty much discards everything that is in his chambers. He throws away his water, his food that was in there, all of his store of herbs, anything that could have gotten tampered with, he disposes of. And at the end of it, he's just kind of exhausted, shaken, and he's like, okay, they didn't kill me this time, but, you know, I have to watch out for this. And that's what Emma was meaning when this place was a cage. Right. It's a place where Fitz has to go back to, And it only has one exit out of it, really. Mm -hmm. So it's a place where they can go and easily leave poison for him or something like that. Right. And he thinks back on what happened to the fool. And maybe somebody will be waiting for a bag to put over his head soon. And he thinks, maybe I should start locking the door. But then, no, because then that lets them know they've won. 
and, and it's useless anyways because it'll get in yeah, either, either way. way. But I do wonder if the reason Serene and Justin and even Regal have started looking for Chade, if that's at all because they somehow feel his presence, Chade's presence. He is has to be susceptible to the wit or skill, excuse me, in some way because he can use it later, which means they would be able to touch his mind if they knew about him for sure. But maybe because I don't know what is wit and what is skill with Fitz's talents. We know that the wit specifically is more about feelings of other people and feeling their essence being there um, because Fitz doesn't usually use his eyes. So some of that is definitely wit. But is there a potential that with the skill you can feel others' minds as well? Maybe, but I don't think that's it particularly or in particular for Chade, because I seem to recall in, I think, Tawny Man, after they get the skill scrolls, Chade is extraordinarily hard to get through because he has his walls built up so high. Right. He's very shut off just from his nature and who he is. So I really, really don't think that serene or justin or even will would have the strength or the know-how or the skill to pinpoint somebody like that because verity has an extreme connection with fits and still struggled in the past to even find fits when he right. had his walls up but hear me out that's after he's learned the skill so potentially he doesn't know how to put up a wall yet maybe there's some natural wall building but 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 the that that's before he learns how to reliably skill. That's when he's just trying to connect to the skill. Mm, that's fair then. So I think I think it was natural walls. Personally, I I could be misremembering that those sections because they I've read them a long time ago at this point. So I could be wrong on that, but I I seem to recall that was before he reliably skilled. So that was still his natural walls and not something that. He was throwing up, like his mind was throwing up out of defense of like, oh, you're reaching out too far or anything right. like that. Well, we do know that Fitz's walls and inability to connect with Verity reliably is because of trauma. Right. So that's yeah. why I would think that without the trauma, specifically skill-induced trauma, it'd be pretty hard to have a natural barrier up. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. with his line of work there is. I don't know could be I don't, yeah it's hard to say without knowing like specific details i guess i'll keep my eye out for when we get to those books in you know a couple years so right. I'll try no to but that was just something that came up that came to my mind because they are so convinced somebody is there and clearly they have been for a while now but i'm just wondering why now how do they figure it out and and they're convinced that there's spies that are sending stuff to Regal, or to, uh, excuse me, to Verity. Yeah. Which is kind of true, but... <laughs> which is which is true, but it, it, it's But how do they figure it out? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Where do their suspicions come from? I don't think that's ever fully addressed, unless I'm really forgetting something. So Fitz is feeling confined, and he has to leave. So he walks out of his room, doesn't lock his door like Emma mentioned before, and heads outside. He decides that he wants to pay a visit to the Rurisk, see his crew, maybe get a drink, you know, catch up a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
and heads down to the gate to the road to, you know, go to the docks. Yep. And he has stopped at the gate. It's a nicer day outside, and a young guardsman kind of steps into his path, confronts him, and then says, Stand, he commanded me. Then, please, sir, he added as he recognized me. (laughs) I halted obediently. Yes? He cleared his throat, then suddenly went scarlet all the way to his hairline. He took a breath, then stood silent. Did you need something from me? I asked. Please wait a moment, sir, the boy blurted. The lad disappeared into the guardhouse, and a moment later, an older watch officer emerged. She regarded me gravely, took a breath as if to steal herself, then said quietly, You were denied passage out of the keep. What? I could not believe my ears. She drew herself up. When she spoke, her voice was firmer. You are denied passage out of the keep. A surge of anger heated me. I forced it down. By whose command? She stood firm before me. My commands come from the captain of the watch, sir. That is all I know of it. I would speak to that captain. I kept my voice courteous. He is not in the guardroom, sir. I see. But I did not, quite. I could perceive all the nooses tightening about me, but could not understand why just now. The other obvious question to ask, however, was why not? With shrewd's enfeeblement, Verity had become my protector, but he was away. Fitz goes on to say that he could turn to Ketrikin, but then that would openly pit Ketrikin versus Regal and endanger her further. And so, why not shut Fitz out? Right, and... His only other real ally is Chade, who is just a shadow power. Yeah. So he no. can't openly do anything. No. So I guess why not now? And I do first want to say that this is a bit of a Karen moment. Let me speak to your manager. <laughs> I demand to know. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Who said I can't do this? I mean, clearly it's a little justified here, but I just thought it was funny. I just pictured Fitz with the (laughs) typical Karen haircut. You know, I demand to see your manager. (laughs) I don't care that the coupons expired. (laughs) Last time they let me do this. So he turns away, being denied from seeing the manager of the gate. And he stops because he hears his name being called out and he turns around and it's Molly struggling up, running up the hill towards the gate, calling out his name. She ran heavily, unevenly, unlike her usual graceful stride. She was exhausted, or nearly so. Fitz, she cried out again, and there was fear in her voice. I started to go to her, but the guard stepped suddenly into my path. Fear was on her face too, but also determination. I cannot let you out of the gate. I have my orders. Before I continue on the scene, I want to remark on that fear on the guard's face, because Fitz has a reputation. He is a hero in the Red Ship Wars of this past summer. Yeah. He led a charge onto Antler Island that was praised. That was like their only battle victory versus the Red Ships. Mm -hmm. They won a Red Ship ship. (laughs) A Red Ship, I guess. (laughs) Without any damage to it. And there's a song that is later composed about this. He has a reputation. He is known in the guardhouse. He was raised in the guardhouse. They know he's a prince, even though an illegitimate prince. 
it has to be scary for her to confront this person and be like, no, like, you yeah. can't. <laughs> Which also, little bit rude that she's like seeing a woman in distress calling out to Fitz. Clearly he's going to go take her back, not run away. And she's still like, sorry, my orders are are the same. Like, just let him go. It doesn't. It's five feet. If you can see him, it will be fine. But no, I'm not going to go. And I just, oh, that made me so mad. And I get that she's scared because, like, he's he's got a good reputation. But seriously, he also was not trying to go past her to up until this point. He obviously had agreed. And she's still like, oh, this changes nothing that there's a damsel in distress. Sorry, bud. Uh she probably would have been fired, reprimanded, yelled at. Who would know? Yeah. Who would know? Probably the other guards who were like looking out their windows. <laughs> Boy ran in, said Fitz was trying to get out. Well, let's watch. The, let's watch our our manager <laughs> get yelled at by this poor person. Right. Well, the manager's not even home, so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the poor shift lead. <laughs> so. Uh, Fitz demand like hey like send somebody out obviously she's in distress yeah so the commander's like yeah yeah go Miles go the boy so he rushes to Molly and Fitz waits what he says it feels like an eternity for her to lean and walk on this young guards boy all the way back and she takes um, Fitz's arm then and Fitz gathers her in and they walk away from the from the the gate Right. And she's super upset and wondering why he didn't come to her. And he's like, you didn't see the big lady in front of me telling me no? Like, not what he said. She's sobbing right now and obviously right. had a very uh, traumatic experience. Traumatic experience. And so he's obviously not pressing that issue. No, but you just point. know in the back of his head, he's like, really? <laughs> So he calmly mentions and quietly mentions they have orders I'm not to leave Buckkeep, so I couldn't. She's trembling against his arm, and and as they are uh, walking around a corner, he just kind of stops her and holds her by the arms and says, like, like, what happened? What's going on? And gets a story from her that two, she heard two men on horseback riding up behind her, so she got off the road. She was heading back from town after her afternoon off or whatever it was, gathering errands, heading back to town up the hill. She walks to the side of the road, gets off the road to let these horsemen pass. And she realizes that they followed her off the track. She moves over more. They parallel her, move past her, so she starts running into the brush because they're obviously following her. And as she's running uphill through this brush they they just keep on forcing their horse to follow directly after her and eventually she falls and they stop and hold her down empty her basket laughing all the while mocking her mocking what she could be doing for fits and calling him names her names and harassing her right they also threaten her and say that she could be hanged and that Running errands for a traitor is the same as being a traitor. Yeah. 
uh, Fitz is kind of questioning all this, and she's saying, like, no, I don't know them. It was only two of them. And she says that they dumped all the stuff in the basket like they were looking for something. And in my mind, like, when I'm rereading this every time, I'm just immediately like, okay, so every one of Regal's peoples know that Fitz is suspicious for passing notes along to something. Mm-hmm. They want to catch Fitz, and they know the connection between Fitz and Molly. Well, Regal does, so he disseminated that information, and they're just going to harass everybody that he knows, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is also exactly what Patience warned could happen. Yeah, definitely. That with Regal as not nice as he seems... He will use anything to hurt Fitz, even if that is at the cost of Molly. And honestly, even if they didn't get together, I think this would have still kind of happened. Because Regal was talking to Molly before Fitz even started talking to Molly again. Like That's Molly had, was the the maid or the lady for for patience. And Fitz kind of found out and they like had their whole talk and like went their own ways right. or whatever and Fitz didn't talk to her for a longest time or whatever. And then when they got together the first time to talk about stuff, Molly mentions that Regal has been talking to her. Right. But you don't think Regal knows that he continued to that Fitz oh, I, started visiting her and that Yeah, I think it he realizes that that relationship continued, but I still think this was an avenue that he would have pursued. Hmm. I'm not as convinced. I think if he never would have started their relationship that Regal would have lost interest. Hmm. Maybe. It's possible. But I, I feel like Regal is so one-minded of, like, when he gets on something, especially with when it comes to Fitz, that he would pursue every avenue to pin something on Fitz, that any sort of old acquaintance that he could get to, because people that Fitz know are, that are touchable besides, you know, the nobles, like Lady Patience and... <laughs> yeah. And Queen Ketcherkin, those kind of people, is literally just Beric, Molly, and Lacey, I guess. That's pretty much it. Who's, yeah, who's except had... Lacey's got the reputation of being even more powerful than Hod, so... Not the reputation. Not many people know about that. Oh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> She's just the old friend and maid to Patience. <laughs> That's right, I guess not She's not anything. Molly's recounting all of what has happened here that they didn't necessarily hurt her as Fitz is asking and, and like if they did anything to her they just held her down mocked her and mocked Fitz searched her and roughed her up a little bit and they sent her spit on, on her yeah spit on her which is disgusting <laughs> yeah I hate I why animals spit people do not ugh I hate it it's my li- yuck it's just so rude i don't know it's mm. after all of this molly kind of asks him like what's what's going on like why did this happen because fitz is saying it's my fault i i'm no traitor but i am a bastard and i've let that spill over onto you everything patience warned me of everything Almost said Jade. <laughs> Everyone warned me about. It's all coming true. I've got you caught up in it. What is happening? She asked softly, eyes wide. Her breath suddenly caught. You said... The guard wouldn't let you out of the gate. That you can't leave Buckkeep. Why? 
I don't know exactly. There's a lot I don't understand, but one thing I do know. I have to keep you safe. That means staying away from you for a time, and you from me. Do you understand? A glint of anger came into her eyes. I understand you're leaving me alone in this. I want to point out, Molly has no idea what's going on. No, yeah, literally no clue. Nothing. And she is asking, begging. Clearly there are things going on that she does not know about. And she is begging Fitz for an answer. And he says the most truthful thing he's ever said to her in response that he doesn't know. But he doesn't elaborate. He doesn't tell her that there is a real threat. That there has been a real threat the whole time they've been together. He takes this opportunity to distance himself from her. And I understand where her frustration comes from. Why she thinks, okay, so you're going to make me deal with this alone. Because he is. He is making her deal with it alone. He's not. He doesn't have her back. He doesn't tell her anything that she can use to protect herself or to understand what's going on and make educated decisions as to what to do next. He's just saying, it's dangerous, trust me. And that's not real. That's not a real yeah. threat, you know? And I don't know. Because they're, they're teenagers. Dangerous could mean you might get beat up again. Not my uncle might poison you. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just don't think it's, it's fair of fits to have kept everything from her for so long, but also for him to abandon her when she clearly needs him. Yeah. Fitz kind of doubles down here. Like we, we just, we need to make it seem like you're obeying them, that you're following that, that we're split. You're not doing anything with me. And, she goes into the whole thing while well, they've scared me so they know if I do that they'll know I'll obey and they'll push me to see what else I will follow what other orders I will do that can't happen I can't do that right and fits in his head is thinking that these are scars that her father left which definitely I believe her feelings on this do stem from that but it's not necessarily wrong in this case either no either way it's a lose lose because if you physically stand up and fight them, she will die because she doesn't understand what's going on. But if right. she follows along, Regal will try to take advantage of that fact eventually right. and try to use her against Fitz. So it is the stereotypical lose-lose. Right. There's nothing she can really do except leave. Yeah. And so Fitz is, again, trying to explain himself without explaining anything, saying, now is not the time to stand up to them. I kept looking over her shoulder, expecting that at any moment the guard would come to see where we had vanished. Come, I said, and led her deeper into the maze of warehouses and outbuildings. It is time to stand up to them, she declared, because once you start putting it off, you never do it. Why should not this be the time? Because I don't want you caught up in this. I don't want you hurt. I don't want people saying you are the bastard's whore. I could barely force the words from my mouth. Molly's head came up. I have done nothing I'm ashamed of, she said evenly. Have you? No, but, but, your favorite word, she said bitterly. She walked away from me. So, this is Fitz's flaw that he's not seeing. 
he doesn't want her hurt. He doesn't want anything more bad to happen to her. But the problem is, it's already happened. The time when he could walk away and save her has long passed, and him not seeing that is a huge flaw. And it's not a real option anymore to say, well, let's just play by Regal's rules, because Regal doesn't have rules. So maybe focus more on protecting the person you love. And I know that that's what he thinks he's doing. And he is a child. And so probably doesn't have the full capacity to look at every angle, especially in this moment. But it's so frustrating to read her sit sit there saying, let's fight back. Why does it matter? And him to be like, well, I don't want you to be called a whore because that's, of course, what she's going to focus on. Like, oh, so I should be ashamed that we're together. That's not what he's saying. But she has nothing else to go on. Nothing. And I just feel so bad for her because if you read this from Molly's perspective, this is a completely different conversation than what we know with Fitz's context. Yeah. With Fitz's context, this is a conversation where he knows that the safest way to protect Molly is to do things subtly. The assassin's way. You can't full on break somebody's jaw you have to quietly act like you're following what they want while planning in the background but to molly she's just told her boyfriend hey some thugs just beat me up because they think you're a traitor and her boyfriend is saying okay well let's just stop talking because maybe then they'll leave you alone and she's like well we should not do that let's stand up to them. I don't want to be a coward. And he says, well, we ha- we have to be that way right now because I don't want you getting called names. That's not the same level. Like, explain, Fitz. Just use your words. Tell her, hey, there is a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you give her a little bit of context and it makes more sense on her end. And maybe it wouldn't turn out the way it does. And as she was walking away... Fitz goes to grab her and just stop her and like continue this conversation. She spins around and punches him in the face. And Fitz, with blood running down his face, tries again to explain his side a little bit more. And he he goes a little bit more in detail, saying, I didn't say I wouldn't fight back, only that I don't want you caught up in it. Give me a chance to fight this my way, I said. Trust that given time, I can find them and make them pay my way and then he distracts her a little bit by saying okay tell me everything about them and goes through a full list how many were there where were they from what did their accents sound like do they have beards what colors were they wearing all all the sort of things like that right and i do want to say i think it's horrible that molly resorted to violence especially Mm -hmm. to the level where fitz is bleeding not that it would have been okay if it was just a tap you should never hit anyone right especially not your significant other uh i do not agree with that decision i don't think luke does either no um tensions are high but but it's still not a proper way to do things but i do still want to point out that fitz is saying let me do it my way what does that mean what's your way fitz she doesn't know that you're an assassin or that you have training or that you can you know court enough to do it the backstabby way she doesn't know that that all she knows of yeah the only thing i think she could draw conclusions from like my way would be 
okay, so he is a royal bastard. He must have connections or some sort of nobles. Like, he can right. investigate into who this was and then stop it legally way or, like, right. through guards or something like that. And that's right. the only thing that she could connect to, really. And also, she just got physically attacked, so I'm sure she's thinking, well, really, you want to go the legal route if that's, you know? Right. So tensions are high and he's not doing a very good job of explaining what his way even is and what that means and how that is better than what she wants to do. And so I do feel bad for her in this moment. I, again, do not think it called for her physically abusing him, but I understand where her anger is coming from. And I want to make sure, because I know a lot of people don't like Molly that her side gets defended. (laughs) Not this action specific, but the conversation in general. So after a admittedly very poor description of the men that yes. attacked her and the horses, which is f- fair. I'm just <laughs> she said that she was held face down to the dirt, so yeah. it's hard to see. It's just kind of funny when she said, brown, brown horses with black manes and tails, and the men talk like anybody else. One had a dark beard, I think. <laughs> it's hard right. to see with a face down in the dirt. And then I'm, like, reminded again how Fitz, why would people know what accents, why would they be able to pinpoint where an accent came from? I mean, to some extent, maybe, but I'm assuming that this is... Inland versus Buck. Yeah, like, yeah I assume it's not as big as a gap between, like, like a Southern America yeah. and somebody from Boston, New York. Like <laughs> It's a day's horse ride. It's, like, yeah, probably. 50 miles away max. <laughs> like, max, max. Although, I guess in England... The accents yeah, do vary, and it's not very far apart. So, it could be, but yeah, it's, it, it was seems still a though. traumatic experience. <laughs> right. So she uh, wasn't able to pinpoint exact right. details. She does that, not have the training Fitz does. Exactly that he he was trained to notice and get. So he basically says, "Good, that's good," and then continues on breaking the bad news to her, Molly. I won't be coming to your room. Not for a while, because you're afraid. Yes, I hissed. Yes, I'm afraid. Afraid they'll hurt you. Afraid they'll kill you. To hurt me. I won't endanger you by coming to you. She stood still. I could not tell if she was listening to me or not. She folded her arms across her chest, hugged herself. I love you too much to see that happen. My words sounded weak, even to myself. She turned and walked away from me. She still hugged herself, as if to keep herself from flying apart. She looked very alone in her draggled blue skirts with her proud head bowed. Molly red skirts, I whispered after her, but I could no longer see that Molly, only what I had made of her. So besides the pity party at the end there, this is where he finally says, they can kill you here. Right. They will kill you to hurt me. And that's the first like huge involvement that he admits Right. It's always oh they're they're getting after me for this like they it's all to hurt me sure but never the extent of the damage which is right. kind of what you were getting right. on a little bit before too and at the end because of all this arguing and because of everything she's finally knows he he hisses it out he's just like they will kill you yeah which about time and I wonder if this is why she lets down I don't know. If she believes it or not, I mean, I th- he said I mean, it I once. Think it would take some time to process, right? And also, they're in a heated exchange. Maybe he's yeah. being dramatic. 
I don't know how believable it would be. And I think part of her sadness is probably coming from regret for becoming like her father and using physical violence on someone she loves. And the adrenaline has probably started to wear down from the attack. She's not as angry and hyped up as she was. She's starting to really come to terms with things are really dangerous and I could have died out there. Mm -hmm. And I think Fitz's heart is in a good place, but I think what she wanted was a knight in shining, shining armor to, Oh, I'm going to go fight them right now. And Mm -hmm. that's not who Fitz is. And so I think to that end, they both have kind of made up idyllic versions of each other in their minds. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's what this relationship has become. And it's kind of sad because that's, now falling apart because you can't base a relationship off of who you hope the other person might be someday. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a basis for the relationship to fail right there. Yeah. But Fitz does have a little, uh, pity party in his head again, of Mm -hmm. course, probably 90% of the chapters we leave off with some sort of, (laughs) I guess you could say Fitz is happy this time. Yeah. He says, I could no longer see the Molly, uh, Molly red skirts, only what I had made of her. And that's the same thing. Like in his head, he's justifying everything he has done beforehand. He's like, this is why I kept her separate from my other life. Mm-hmm. This is why I was, you know, blocking out right. this part because it was too dangerous for her. And she wasn't in everything. She was on this pedestal and now I sullied her with my assassin life and now she's in danger and it's to get at me and it's my fault and oh no and yeah and now she's a real person and (laughs) yeah it's also kind of sad to see him think that it's his creation that she is as upset as she is a little bit yes but mostly it's other people using her as pawns himself included and part of that is if she's a pawn she's expendable right and whether fitz wants to make her that way or not he has made her that way by not giving her all the information she needs and it's really sad they're all just pawns in the game here at buckkeep Truly. <laughs> and in the world for Claris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they're on the board for Claris. <laughs> That's true. They're the reserves. Mm-hmm. Shorter chapter this week, but this is the breaking point for Fitz and Molly. Yeah. Pretty soon, maybe the next chapter, Molly, I think, breaks it off with him. And at this point, I don't remember if she knows that she's pregnant or not. But that's coming up soon, too, where she knows, but Fitz is unaware still. Mm -hmm. So I think she she starts to take care of Beric while he is still injured and like brings him the the food all the time. Right. Yeah. This is the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. All of the livestock is in the inland duchies. Molly's going to go away soon. There's no messages that can get to Burns at the end of this winter. Regal's preparing his move inland. They suspect Fitz of having wit magic. 
and of him being a traitor or at least connected to Verity. A traitor, you know, in quotes, because (laughs) a traitor to Regal. Which also... Nobody sees the irony there. Like, right, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think they do. I think it's just like, you know. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because Verity's label, never coming back. Label them out loud and then that will be the one that sticks instead uh-huh. of <laughs> the actual right. thing. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, like you said, the beginning of the end. This is These are the breaking points in this chapter here because it really... I know we've been saying it for the last couple episodes, but it really spirals out of control. And this is kind of the hump of the roller coaster where the rest of the cart takes its weight and just slides down. Right. Well, because we also have Fitz being confined to the castle. So the echoes of something big about to happen is starting, which... Why don't they have Fitz run? Clearly something bad is about to happen. His life is in danger. And yet he stays and has to endure. I know that that's like part of the path he must take for the, good the future. good of the kingdom, too. He'll never abandon Ketrikin. Right. But she could run with him. Clearly, they're not safe here. They plan on that later after she loses I know, the baby. But <laughs> if the baby was born, I think things would have been different. Maybe. I feel like if it's so dangerous that people are getting beaten up all the time, maybe. Don't try to have a pregnancy there. I don't know. Like, not that I'm blaming Ketrikin for what happens, who she would not have known. Right. But, like, feels like pretty clear that if Regal has already tried to kill his own brother twice, he will not care about killing anybody else. (laughs) So, I don't know. It's his obligations to everything. I don't know. He he would never run. He runs for a little bit at the end of this trilogy, but he's always called back. Yeah. It makes me sad because it doesn't have to be the way it's going to be. And yet. And yet we reread the series and it's still the same. Yep, every time, for whatever reason. They never make better choices. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely the part of the books where I'm just going to be angry for the rest of this book. And then a little bit into next book, and then I'll start being like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then it just becomes kind of sad at the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, teachers often is sad, but. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening along with us this week. If you have anything that you want to ask us about this chapter, or if you want to ask us for our year anniversary next week for next episode, please send us an email at isfitshappy at gmail.com or message us directly at isfitshappy on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We also have a Reddit account where you can message us. Our username is isfitshappy. Please send along those, uh, those questions, those comments, anything like that, and we will gather them all together and discuss them eventually. This week, to match our short episode, we have a short shout-out. <laughs> um, shout-out to our Twitter follower, Joseph, for letting us know that they believe it's Althea's brothers who died in the blood plague. We were talking last week about how we're trying to figure out kind of the timeline of the world oh, for blood plague. I think I... Yeah, and makes sense. we couldn't figure out if that was what happened during Althea's childhood, which Althea's 
a bit younger than Fitz. So I kind of tracks. But again, nobody's 100% sure it's a blood plague, but Althea's brothers did die of some sort of plague. <laughs> so we were kind of in the right vein. And now we'll just have to wait and see if blood plague is correct. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that sounds right. Mm-hmm. I'm just quickly looking up on one of the wikis to see. Right. Well, because I knew somebody had to have died closely because Efren, for real, would not even trade for a ton of money to save their family up yeah. the Rainwild again. So it had to have been somebody super close. I just didn't remember. She had older brothers. But... Uh, unfortunately, it's not filled out with extended family that yeah. is deceased. So that sounds right to me. Yeah. It, it makes sense. And that's why Althea was taken along on trading trips so young and as a woman. Yeah. Somebody has to carry the family name. Yeah. So thank you to Joseph. We appreciate the filling in of gaps in our memory. (laughs) It's so hard to remember or be able to find all the little things that come up in our conversations. There are 16 books and we all have read them before. So we have little memories of certain things, Mm -hmm. but it's so hard to pinpoint which book and where, especially if it's like a one sentence mention Good luck. <laughs> yeah, just like in this chapter where you were like, I never remembered uh, Regal was saying, oh, it was, he was sending all the grain inland to fund defenses of the coasts or sending the livestock yeah. for safe pastures and things like that. It's right. literally two sentences in, in one paragraph in like a random musing that Birik has. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> so there are lots of things that slip us by. That's why it's so nice to have you guys Uh, to correct us when we're wrong and to help us when we can't quite remember the things that other people might super remember. Yes. So we are always appreciative for the help you guys give. Thank you very much. (laughs) 